Welcome to Narratives and Nightcaps, the book club podcast where we dive into the details of a new novel, pair it with a fitting nightcap, and then leave a little review when all is said and done. I'm Bree. And I'm Megan. We're starting a new book today. We are. It is A Man Called Ove by Frederick Bachman. 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 I'm saying Bachman. I say Bachman. Okay. Say it. Say it how it's spelled. We always run into this problem. <laughs> say it. But that's that's what we um, go to. We're like, just say it how it's spelled, and then it's always pronounced not how it is spelled. Yes. And or we like say it and re-say it different times throughout the episode because we're still not convinced that it's pronounced one way or the other. <laughs> Whoops, what can you do? <laughs> Come to us for more advice and it will continue to fail you every time. <laughs> this is why we have very basic names. Megan Miller, Bree Shoop, formerly Bree Peterson. Very simple. Shoop throws people off though. They're, they're like, Shoope. Oh, <laughs> so like you don't need to add that extra. Just shoot. Shoot. <laughs> it's fine. Yes. Um, yeah. And then breather. Uh, like, oh, you must be Brianna. Nope. No. Brianna. Nope. No. Brianna. No. Well, technically, yes, but no. <laughs> You're not wrong in all of your guesses, but that's not my name. <laughs> Sorry. So. All right. Well, before we talk about that, we have a super exciting library shout out, Go Libraries. And this one is specifically for the Cosby Community Library in Cosby, Tennessee. I did look you up online. You look like a beautiful place. And we sincerely appreciate their support of the podcast. Highly recommend visiting their location if you live in that area or are ever passing by or just happen to be swinging near Cosby, Tennessee, um, or you can check them out online. They do have a community Facebook page, so it's Cosby Community Library, or you can go to the county website, which is www.cockecountylibraries.org, so cockcountylibraries.org, but with an E. It's okay, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> We're trying our best. <laughs> Again, another one that we debated. How is it? Is it cock? Is it coke? I'm so I, I, sorry. I'm, I'm yes. Really inappropriate. Cosby Community Library. Cosby Check Cosby. on Facebook specifically because that was who our contact um, did have control over that, and she was super awesome. Yes. So really thank did. you so so much. It's. I would say like our library feedback has been amazing and I mean I we've already said it once but like so so much appreciate the support that we've been getting because obviously like we wouldn't have books to read if there weren't libraries and places to purchase them from bookstores as well so thank you <laughs> all right let's also drink on that note since I'm a mess apparently okay so for this book. I selected Bailey's Coffee. I know that it's super simple. Well, minus you because yours is so pretty. Thank you. I mean, as I said, I just tried my darndest. I was like, oh, let's put a little bit of 
chocolate around the rim, really let that drizzle in. This is also now my third cup of coffee today, so I'm about to be wired reading this, but cheers. Cheers to that. And um, I love the notes that you're putting on. I went to their website directly, but would love to hear some of the like a brief history of Bailey's because it's one of those things that's like you hear about it all the time. People put it in stuff, but you're like, where did it originate? So tell us. Well, and so, okay, very simple beverage for this book, which I knew I wanted to go in a coffee direction and I just didn't know how elaborate I wanted to do that. And then I thought, well, oh, he would probably wouldn't even put Bailey's in his coffee. Oh, no. So let's just keep it really simple. Also, like life is crazy. So I, I was like, all right, simple it is, which I kind of wonder how, like, I feel like I've said that multiple times on this podcast and I wonder how many times I can get away with it before people just think I'm the mess. Yeah. Okay. Like, actually, life isn't crazy, Brie. You're the problem. <laughs> it's okay. So because it was so simple, you know, make your coffee however you want to add some Bailey's, spruce it up, do what you want. You want to put like some whipped cream on top of that. You do you, you want to add chocolate to it. Like Megan did. Awesome. Even better. I'm super jealous. And I will probably have to do that next week. So I thought I would then pad my little segment with some info about Bailey's. So this is all from baileys.com. Their website says that the founders of Bailey's spent two years trying to combine Irish dairy cream with the country's famous whiskey and it was perfected and released to the rest of the world in 1974 after that two-year period. So a couple of other fun facts about 200 million liters of Irish milk is needed to make Bailey's. Yeah and that is enough to make around 3.3 billion billion Bailey's milkshakes, which obviously like depends on how much booze you're putting in that, but (laughs) 3.3 billion, give or take. And also love this. They get almost all of the milk from local family owned farms in Ireland. Wow. I didn't realize that Ireland, I mean, I should have because they have like the Kerrygold butter and Irish cream and all of that stuff, but I just never thought of them as such large dairy producers. So that's crazy. So they're they're sourcing locally. Love that. Okay. Couple of other fun things. The Irish have been distilling whiskey since approximately 1000 AD. Thanks to some Irish monks who brought the distilling methods home after visiting some countries near the Mediterranean. So oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and finally, the website tells us that the word whiskey translates translates from the Irish language to mean, quote, water of life. Wow. That there is well. the opposite of what happens to me when I drink whiskey. I die <laughs> so dang that's Unless fun it's a whiskey sour in which mm-hmm. case i'm in yes yes agreed wow okay go ireland i now kind of wish this book also took place in ireland but it doesn't it is in another country of sweden so 
Oh, my homeland. Yes. Is it? Well, I mean, technically for my ancestors, I'm not actually like been there, but wow. I'm very, very Swedish. Interesting. My aunt, I guess like family that I don't know, actually, they still like have a house there that's in the family. I can't show up and like knock on the door and say anything, but yeah, they'd be like, who the hell are you? <laughs> American. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay. I do not know my ancestry that well. Um, I've been told that I'm German, but that's not the same. So that's so cool that you are actually very Swedish. That's great. Super Swedish. Super duper Swedish. Okay, so as we said, A Man Called Ove, uh, author is Frederick Backman. He is a Swedish author, so therefore, henceforth, his books take place in Sweden, such as this one in particular. Um, a little bit about him. He is an author, blogger, and columnist, um, with his debut book being A Man Called Ove. Um, which actually only just came out in 2012. So he's not been on the scene for super, super long in terms of authors. You know, you have some that go way back, but um, I feel like he definitely came in with a hit and has several other novels that we'll list definitely at the end of our podcast. Um, but he just has been kind of producing one after the another since then. Um, and kind of a fun fact to know is, when he wrote A Man Called Ove, he was also trying to publish a, um, I think it was like a, a misguided parental guide kind of book that he was writing about his experiences, raising his children, becoming a dad, all of this stuff was also trying to have that released in 2012. And basically it was published contingent upon him also releasing A Man Called Ove. So he had two books come out in 2012 um, one that more like humorous, oh, you know, I'm a family guy now. This is what my life has been like. And then a man called Ove. So fun fact about that. Wow. Yes. Cool. Um, he grew up in, I'm going to butcher this, Helsingborg, Scania, Sweden, which I'm assuming is just a beautiful area, but I've never been there. The pictures look fantastic. And um, otherwise he's got two kids, like I said, just kind of rolling in with the fatherhood and still just taking books out left and right. Um, both of this, both of these pieces of information were pulled from the ever popular Wikipedia. And then there's also a frederickbachmanbooks.com website, which is his um, specific like personal publishing website where they list other um, novels and novellas that he's written and just kind of more about him. Cool. And they'll yeah. be linked in the pod notes. Yes. Put it there. Okay, sweet. So writing style about a man called Ove specifically, I'm not sure that all of his books follow the same style, but it is depicted, um, again, from Wikipedia specifically as realistic fiction with satire humor, which I think is spot on. Um, it is very, you know, it's about a, a grumpy old man pretty much as far as we know so far who has just kind of this very pessimistic outlook on the world that you also can't help but think is really funny so obviously that's where the satirical humor comes in 
<laughs> um, and again, the book setting is somewhere in Sweden. I unless I just like totally missed it, Brie, I don't think we know of a town name specifically. Mm -hmm. So no, because I thought I missed it too, and I was going back <laughs> trying yeah. to find it. So okay, so just yeah. somewhere in Sweden. We don't know where. Um, a couple of fun facts about this place, this beautiful country of Sweden. Um, one is there is a world-renowned ice hotel um, in, again, I don't even know if I want to attempt this one. <laughs> Jukasravi? <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea how to say that. That sounded so bad, which... Um, but the Ice Hotel, I actually have been to as a child. Like, we stayed the night there as a family. Um, hot fun fact about me, I grew up in the military, so we traveled a lot. And while we did a quick stint in Strasbourg, France, we also toured other uh, European countries, and Sweden was one of them. So I have been to this very Ice Hotel via train. That was so fun. So cool. <laughs> um, remember some, it? What? Oh, yeah, I totally remember it. I remember, um, in fact, my parents for a long time had kept um, shot glasses that were meant to look like blocks of ice from the hotel. And that's like what they served all of your drinks and stuff. I mean, it's, it's literally like there's a bar in there. There's bedrooms. There's like it's a hotel made entirely out of ice. There's sculptures. There's drinks, food, like everything is ice which is so cool and then they have like all different lighting and stuff to really set the mood but um definitely an experience and even though I was like probably eight or nine I definitely still remember it so very, so cool. very cool um some other fun facts that I learned about from uh lifeinnorway.net um which also includes the ice hotel site um is that Sweden imports waste from Norway and the UK, which you're like, what? Why would a country want to import someone else's waste? Well, it's because Sweden is so freaking environmentally conscious that they use incinerators for energy. And in order to keep up with the incinerator burning process, they have, they have to collect more waste than they as a country are able to produce. So they run on 49% of incinerator energy burning. Um, and then the rest of their products, they recycle 50% and truly only have 1% of waste as a country. And I wrote a note like, um, wow, why are these not US solutions that we're thinking of? <laughs> because this is freaking genius. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so they are huge, huge, huge environmental protectors um, so just, I feel like I want to go to Sweden just because of that. Like how cool. Um, I wanted to go for a really long time, but you know, this is just adding more reasons why I like the Swedes. Yeah. Want to visit. Right. And then the last fun fact I wrote, obviously, Ikea. <laughs> like who doesn't freaking love Ikea? I just went there last month in Minneapolis. It's a great place. Um, <laughs> But it was uh, founded in 1940. Actually, I found all of this from their uh, website and cool, like old pictures, like from the 70s, kind of retro, how they have furniture pieced together, which looks exactly like the same furniture that they still manufacture and produce today. But um, they opened in the 40s with the hope to improve lives everywhere. So 
Sweden is the founder of IKEA. Thank goodness. <laughs> what would we do without them? What would we do? What would college students do? <laughs> I know Millie looks adorable behind you. Oh, good. She's she's leaping. Kind of. She's getting comfy. Okay. Um, any other commentary on my fun facts or about Sweden <laughs> that we want to get? No. Like other okay. than that, I just really, really want to go. I'm feeling like between the Midnight Library and this, I'm feeling a Norway Sweden trip combined. Yes. Needs to happen. I would like to go. Please yeah, let's go invite together. me. Okay. Yes. I'm sure they have all sorts of cute little bookshops. Oh my gosh. That and like, I feel like just being there is so cute. Like even the way that, cause I had to look up how the house setting in this book is set up. And if you look up pictures of, it's called row, row homes, which I, I mean, I've only heard that term. I feel like in more kind of slummy areas of like America, that type of area, but, um, row homes in Sweden are freaking gorgeous. Like little garden towns, all the houses are different colors. Everything is just so quaint and perfect. So that's just a whole nother reason why I'd want to go. <laughs> I've seen pictures. So I don't personally know the person, but I know someone who knows someone that lives in Sweden and anytime they share photos, it looks like a storybook just oh out of the person's front door. Yeah. And I, I also feel like they, the people there have a reputation for just being kind. And I really except love for Ove, except for Ove. <laughs> I know, but you know, hurt people hurt people. And maybe there's something behind all of that. I think so. I do think so. Okay. Well, that's an excellent transition. And so I think before we really, really, really dive in, um, I do want to share a quick trigger warning. Um, at least this first section for sure depicts um, thoughts and actions of suicide and also the death of parents and loved ones um, that it's not, you know, described. We just know that they've passed away. But if that is at all triggering to you, please don't read. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> or read with caution. Proceed with caution is probably the better way <laughs> to say it. <laughs> Just don't read. <laughs> if you're offended, stop reading now. <laughs> okay, are we ready? Chapter one. So what I love that I've like already picked on, picked up on in this book is like every, so at first I was like, oh my gosh, these chapters don't have chapter numbers, but they do. But they also have a fun chapter name that correlates with what is going to happen in the chapter. So chapter one is called A Man Called Ove Buys a Computer That Is Not a Computer. Putting it simply, that's, that's what's about to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we first meet our main character, Ove, who is 59 and drives a Saab, which fun fact, I also drove a Saab in high school and it was like my favorite car ever. It was ballin'. It had a cup holder that if you pushed it, it would come down and then flatten out so that you could put your cup in it and then it would twist back and push back in. So I know cool. exactly what you're talking about. Bring them back. Yes. And then whenever you'd lock your car, it'd go whip, whip. <laughs> <so nice. laughs> oh, and it's, um, front uh 
headlights had windshield wipers. <laughs> so who doesn't love a sob? It's so cute. It's, it is so cute. It's a very Swedish car. <laughs> it is. It is a very Swedish car. Fun fact, another fun fact, we bought it in Texas. <laughs> so not a very Swedish place. Okay. Also super dry. I don't know that you needed those windshield wipers on your head. No, mm-mm, no. But it did well for Iowa rain and winter. So Oh, perfect so, for yeah. getting that first layer of snow off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ice, not so much, but snow was okay. Snow <laughs> was fine. I mean, I remember literally leaving high school and the staff being outside and wiping students' headlights as they would pull out of the parking lot. Because oh, yes. yes. Most people didn't have windshield wipers on their No, no. Their I was one of the lucky ones. <laughs> and we were just a bunch of dumb high schoolers that didn't know any better. So the staff would literally stand in the parking lot and wipe off people's headlights as they drove past. Well, which is so nice because, like, not only, obviously, for safety, but also, like, you can get pulled over for things like that. So thanks for saving us a ticket, high school staff. <laughs> appreciate it. Or appreciated it in hindsight. Yes, in hindsight, yes. At the time, we were probably like, get out of my way. I'm just trying to go home. Early release because of snow. Let me out. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Ove, back to Ove. He is a very bitter man at only 59 years old, which I was like, my parents are in their that age range and they're not bitter like this. So what has happened to this poor man who's not even 60? Um, But we approach him having a pretty heated argument with a tech salesman over buying a computer versus an iPad versus a MacBook versus a laptop. And Ove is just getting flustered because he's just a very straightforward man and is just like, does it work? Is it good? Can I buy it? And they're like, well, what are you looking for? What features? Blah, blah, blah. And he just wants none of that. So while Ove is verbally berating this salesperson, (laughs) um, the tech is just really trying their best to hold it together before finally handing Ove over to one of their peers who also is just trying to hold it together. Um, basically, the dude pulled a, hey, I got to go to lunch, by Like, you're someone else's problem. And um, that just triggers Ove even more so by giving them an earful that everyone seems to only care about going to lunch and eventually leaves it, the store empty-handed. So if this isn't just the best intro to our character, I don't know what is. I mean, just picture your disgruntled, perhaps even Karen-esque figure. Uh, And that's Ove in in this particular chapter. (laughs) Yeah, I feel bad for the poor tech salespeople because (laughs) as I was reading this, I just kept thinking that these are probably young guys. And for them, it's just a job. And they're like, dude, I did not show up here today to... (laughs) get yelled at by some guy. Yeah. <laughs> that's why, well, that's why he was like, hey, you know what? Before I say anything I'm going to regret, let me go to lunch. <laughs> let, yeah. me just, let me just get out of here. Honestly, it's a smart move. And yeah. I know Ove's upset by it, but it, it was the right call. It was the right call. Yes, absolutely. Chapter two um, is called Three Weeks Earlier, A Man Called Ove Makes His Neighborhood Inspection. 
Ove is an extremely prompt and ritualistic man. He wakes up at precisely 645 every morning without an alarm because, quote, that was when he got up. That's just what he did. That's who he is. Um, he precisely brews his coffee in three scoops, quote, one measure for each cup and one extra for the pot. No more, no less, end quote, which actually I think is how I was taught how to make mashed potatoes. You give one potato to each person and one for the pot. So I guess it translates to coffee as well. <laughs> um, however, this morning, unlike other mornings, he is met outside by a cat missing patches of fur and seemingly not really giving a damn about whether Ove wants him to move or not. Ove is like, God, here, go on, get. And the cat's just like, yeah, I'll feel, I'll move when I feel like it, okay? Leave me alone. Um, Ove will not be deterred by this cat who has never shown up before until this day, um, and he will not be late to make his morning daily inspection. Um, so basically, he just ignores the cat after trying to shoo him away at that point and gets on with his day by, um, you know, making his, his rounds of the row homes that they live in and um, giving his status update by kicking things, pulling on them, you know, what any older man would do to ensure that his property is intact. <laughs> he likes to kick poles and tires and jiggle doorknobs and things like that. Three times. Yes, three times. Precisely three times. Um, he walks around the garages, the sheds. He makes sure that the signs posted throughout the residential area are being adhered to. Nothing was vandalized, just as he does every morning. He makes sure to give doors, again, three tugs to make sure that they're really closed properly. And uh, this is where we also kind of learn that Ove was once the chairman of the Residents Association, um, and he is no longer that chairman. But when he was chairman, not all of his ideas were voted in on, um, which I think is also something he's very bitter about. Um, one specific example was in regards to how they sort their trash. He wanted to then put a camera in the trash room to ensure that people were separating trash versus recycling, a very Swedish thing to do. And he wanted to monitor and make sure that he could catch those who were not adhering to that policy but the association thought that that would be an invasion of privacy and vetoed that particular idea of his. It's such a triggering chapter for me. Yes. <laughs> I, when I got to this whole section, I, I think I laughed out loud more because for everything that I could relate to, <laughs> the, the HOAs and the surveillance specifically Probably not triggering for most people, but oh my goodness, the things I could tell you about crazy HOAs, homeowners oh associations, and the camera surveillance that they want. I I have stories. We could have an entire podcast about that. Wow. See, and I'm not part of an HOA, so we just do whatever we damn well please. <laughs> I wish that were... <laughs> case. I I try so hard to stay out of it now. I want nothing to do. With yeah. 
anything related to it because I had to do so much for it for so long. But this chapter was just you're Sorry, like, I, I know, I so triggering. Yeah, I was like, I know too many O's. <laughs> See, this is where, like, again, I feel like maybe he has some of that, what we call a Karen-esque way about him, where he's just very upset about a lot of things and very easily triggered by those things. Can I give a story, just a really quick story for why I have these, this reaction? Yeah. Okay, this is one of my favorites related to a conversation with a residence association or homeowners association, whatever you want to call it, depending on your country. And we're sitting in this meeting and they're going through what the community is intending to buy and what happens if technology breaks or anything like that. And I kid you not, one of the questions that came up goes, well, what happens if let's say Florida, Georgia, and other southeastern states of the U.S. fall off, like sink into the water and are no longer around. And I, in this meeting with, and I'm talking like these are people that I'm talking to that are well into their 50s, 60s, maybe 70s. And I go, well, in an apocalyptic situation, I'm not going to lie, I don't think we would care what was happening at our neighborhood. Oh my God. So this is so real. <laughs> they lit. oh my, oh, oh no. Oh no. This is why it's triggering for me. Because <laughs> you're like, I know this all too well. <laughs> yeah. On a happier and note, oh, just remind, did you ever watch the show Monk? I have um a little bit. I was not a religious watcher, but I do know his character traits. Yes. Okay. Oh reminds me of a grumpy monk. Yes, I can see that where everything is exactly maybe he has OCD. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what I was thinking, the whole three things and like being so routine with what time he does something and the path he takes to do this and check that. And it reminded me of a, a bitter monk. I could, yeah, I totally understand that reference. I could, I could see it. I could see it. Um, so he also, you know, just again, part of his routine, his ritual, he religiously oils his countertops, which I'd never heard of, but I'm guessing if you have nice solid wood countertops, you'd want them to stay oiled and fresh. Um, he also checks his paving stones, which paving stones, which smell like piss much to his disgust. And he, lets that be known to no one around him because he's like the first person awake in his community. Um, Ove has also been recently let go from his job, which during this time, I don't think we specifically know what his job was, but we do know what he's done in the past. So this job, we don't know what he was doing, but he's been let go under the pretense that, quote, it would be good for him to just slow down a bit um, is what his corporate leaders told him and we just catch him reflecting on this while staring up at his living room ceiling while also thinking quote it's important for the hook to be centered so while I'm reading this I'm like we have 20 zillion thoughts going on and none of them really connect but that's just 
him, like he's reflecting on something, but thinking about something in the future, but thinking about something from the past, but also just like going about his day. Like he just has a lot going on in his head at all times. So if you found it hard to keep up with, so did I. <laughs> so that's that's why we're here. <laughs> um, then he is kind of jolted back to reality because he's been just kind of staring up at his ceiling, daydreaming, letting all these thoughts pass through his head by the sound of scraping metal outside of his home. So that's where we leave chapter three, which or chapter two. Chapter three is titled A Man Called Ove Backs Up with a Trailer. Ove obviously from being disturbed, runs outside angrily to be greeted by a very pregnant woman and a man that he immediately dubs the lanky one. And what I appreciate the most about Ove is that he doesn't give a shit what anyone's name is. He's going to use things like their body to describe <laughs> what their names are to him. So lanky one is a tall, lanky dude. Pregnant woman is the pregnant woman. <laughs> he doesn't care what their real names Correct. are. That's their names. <laughs> um, they are trying to back up a trailer to their new home, which is next door to Ove. But he is upset because they clearly cannot read the signs that are posted everywhere that there are no motor vehicles allowed in this part of the premises and even more so they are doing a crap job of backing up this trailer because they are running over sh shit they are scraping up his mailbox they're running over his flower bed um, and to make matters worse not only are they doing all of the things that Ove doesn't want them to do, but they are driving specifically a Japanese vehicle, which Ove only likes sobs. <laughs> so <laughs> you'll hear a lot about what people drive because he hates them. <laughs> the lanky one, again, runs over the flower bed, the mailbox. He's shouting at him to get out of the car. And Ove himself is like, you know what, you're terrible at this. I let me just get out of the car. I'm going to do it for you. Like you don't know what you're doing. And he makes it known. Like he is just spraying insults left and right. And the lanky guy is just like, okay, no problem. Like just very pleasant going about his day while Ove is again, just like verbally berating this guy, calling him an idiot, all of these things. <laughs> and as he begins backing up the Japanese vehicle, it starts dinging and beeping at him, to, which Ove says, quote, stop it. And then the lanky man has to explain to him that it's just the backup sensors, letting him know that he's going in reverse. And then Ove is like, do you think I'm an idiot? And the guy's like, nope, I'm just letting you know what the car's doing. <laughs> this whole just like exchange between them just makes me mad. Or not mad, makes me laugh. I don't know why I said mad. I'm not mad. Ove is mad. <laughs> anyway, um, when he is done backing up, he gets the trailer to where it needs to be, again, reminding them that it shouldn't even be here. What are they doing? Why are they all so stupid? Ove then sm smells his papers again <laughs> and shouts angrily. This, this made me laugh out loud. He shouts angrily that, quote, there's piss all over the place here and, quote, nowhere is bloody okay around here because i think the woman was like is everything okay sir and he's like no nothing's okay and he's just <laughs> freaking out about pee being everywhere <laughs> uh, before finally retreating to his home where he just wanted to stay the whole time 
Once inside his house, he's back to staring up at his living room ceiling and caught daydreaming again when the doorbell rings. He is greeted by two girls, one seven and one three, who he then dubs the seven-year-old and the three-year-old. Um, and they let him know that they are his new neighbors. They're the daughters of the lanky one and the pregnant woman. And they have brought him over a bowl of um, chick chicken and rice with saffron because they are not Swedish. Um, it's later told that they are Iranian. Or at least the wife is. The wife is Iranian. So she likes to bring over foods and prepare things in her way. Um, so once they leave him, they have kind of this exchange of like, you're, we're your neighbors. We're allowed to live here, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just like, okay, whatever, kids, go on. <laughs> and once they leave him, he goes back to staring at a ceiling until he realizes that dusk has fallen. And he quickly notes that tomorrow he must put up the hook. So we are all just kind of in this, why is he looking at a ceiling? What's wrong with him? What is the infatuation with this hook? But we don't know yet. <laughs> if it were me, I would probably not be putting up said hook because I just don't even know where to start. I'm the person that Ove doesn't like. Yeah. I don't. I'm the not thing very is, good at that. I feel like us... But also our husbands, like Ove would just be like, you guys are idiots. You don't know how to do anything. <laughs> Even if they do know how to do stuff, they don't know how to do it in Ove's way. And sure. therefore, it's not right. <laughs> and like, he wouldn't be wrong. <laughs> True. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. You're, you're not right. wrong, but. <laughs> but there are other ways to solve the same problem. And he just doesn't see that. Not at all. No. Okay. Chapter four. A man called Ove, <laughs> I had a really hard time typing these notes last night because I kept putting over instead of Ove. So actually I wrote, a man called Over <laughs> does not pay a three kroner so charge, surcharge. So I had to look up, kroner is the Swedish currency. And I did not look at what the equivalent is to the US dollar, but someone can look that up and find out for themselves. If you're going to Sweden, maybe check on that. Yes, yes. If you're going to adventure, figure out how to exchange your currency. Okay, Ove has given his wife two plants, which was not the original plan as he tries to explain to her, but his wife does not answer. He tells her he doesn't feel, quote, natural rattling around the house on his own when she's not there, and she doesn't respond to that either. Ove went around the house that morning after making his coffee for him and his wife and doing his checks to make sure his wife hadn't sneakily turned up the radiator since it's about to snow. And then he takes the hook that he has purchased from his jacket pocket. Ove decides not to mention the cat that's been hanging around to his wife because he knows she wouldn't want him to chase it away. Um, and it's also noted specifically that he is wearing the navy suit that his wife likes best, a black tie, and polished black shoes. So again, all of these kind of like random moments are all happening at the same time. And also, maybe I just didn't take the best notes, but <laughs> whatever, I'm making it work. <laughs> no, I think that, it, I mean, it feels random, but that is kind of how it's being depicted throughout yes. the story. Because you're kind of like, you're like, 
okay, where where are we? Because like he took his wife something, but then he's at home, but then he's like in his jacket pocket, but then he's talking about the cat. But it's yeah, it's all it's all over the place, and yet it all makes sense when you're reading it. <laughs> it all makes sense and connects. Yes, it does. Yes, it all connects for sure. Okay, so before going out of his house. Ove looks over all of the coats that are his wife's that are hanging in the hall. He, Ove only has like two coats. One's an autumn, a navy autumn jacket and a navy winter jacket. And his wife has like 20 coats that are all over this coat rack. And I, they used to joke, you know, that she just has so many coats for being such a small person and blah, blah, blah. But his wife loved them and he's just let her have them. Um, but he does agree that, quote, there were a hell of a lot of coats. And some people like shoes, some people like coats. Yeah. It's like, would you rather have shoes, purses, coats, whatever? You got to accessorize somehow. He leaves his home, gets into his sob, and is on a mission to go to the supermarket. It is, um, you know, again, first person out the door really in his community. So he's um, passing his, his neighbors, oddly, are also out while he's driving by. And he thinks to himself, like, oh, I better yell at them about having their child in the motorized vehicle area. But he doesn't. and But nor does he wave at them as they waved at him. He is just, like I said, on this mission to get there to the supermarket, hopefully before anyone else is really up and about. Well, he has um, forgotten that he is going during commuter hours. And so, Ove, being the strict rule follower that he is, is a huge speed limit follower, which pisses off a lot of the morning commuters. He very much wants to go the 35 miles per hour. I'm assuming it's not miles per hour um, in Sweden. I'm guessing it's the kilometers per hour, but I could be wrong. I'm saying miles per hour, um, whereas the commuters like to go at least 20 over that. And so he is trying to like, go around me, pass me. I don't give a shit what you're doing. I'm going to follow the rules. But everyone's getting heated, particularly this Mercedes driver. So again, if we don't know people by their description, we know them by their cars. This uh, Mercedes driver in particular is just like road rage city at Ove, like there's a description that he is so angry with Ove and probably swearing up a storm in his car that his spit is covering the <laughs> interior windshield. Like, this man is not happy. So Ove um, then soon realizes that this Mercedes driver is also en route to the shopping center. So Ove, <laughs> kind of an asshole, <laughs> obviously, um, gets to the shopping center first and sees that there's only two parking spots available. He goes one way, the Mercedes goes another way, and they're kind of both like, in a way, slowly racing because it's a parking lot to get to the parking spots. Ove reaches that area first and allows another car, a tiny little Toyota, to park in one of the empty spots and then Ove takes the other empty spot and that leaves the Mercedes driver out of luck and he's again not happy probably flips him off while he's driving away but much to Ove's uh, I guess dismay maybe surprise uh, the lanky one and his three-year-old daughter are the ones to emerge from the Toyota that's just parked next to them and again like hey neighbor friendly we know you whatever he 
doesn't care. Ove is just like, I'm going to the supermarket. Don't talk to me, damn it. And just keeps walking away. <laughs> uh, he does learn, however, the three-year-old's name is Nisanin. Sure. Nisanin. Um, and before the uh, lanky one even has a chance to like spit his name out, Ove's just like, that's enough, bye. And just, as we said, walks away to the supermarket. Um, there, he actually isn't going to the supermarket at all. He just needed to park there. Uh, he's actually going to the flower shop, the plant shop uh, that we have mentioned in the beginning of the chapter, where he spends his time arguing that he has a two-for-one coupon, and therefore he should be able to get one for half the price. But the manager is like, no, you have to buy two in order to get them both half off, which is like this whole back and forth thing. They finally agree like, okay, fine. You can take the one for, it's like 25 kroner or whatever. And Ove's like, okay, perfect. So then he goes to pay for it. Like, he's like, oh gosh, this manager has finally seen the light. And they're like, oh, but it's going to be a three kroner surcharge if you only, uh, if you use your card or whatever. So then he has to give in and buy the two plants for 50 kroner. And basically just, he feels like it's a matter of principle. He leaves knowing like, okay, at least I didn't have to pay the extra surcharge, even though I now have two plants that I didn't want. <laughs> and so, paid more than I would yeah. have paid yes. if I just paid the surcharge. But again, it's just, it's a matter of principle for him. It's if you say... I'm going to get one for 25, then damn it, I'm going to get two for 25, and I'm not going to pay the surcharge. <laughs> uh, so now Ove is back to standing in front of his wife, um, as he was at the beginning of the chapter, holding two plants and states, quote, I suppose you're annoyed I didn't come yesterday like I promised, end quote. And his wife says nothing. He keeps talking to her about, you know, the weather, it's getting ready to snow, and is still getting no response. He then digs out the plant that he brought last week out of the frozen ground and replaces it with the two new plants, gently touching a boulder and stating, quote, I miss you. We learn now that his wife has passed away six months previously, but Ove still carries on with his inspections of their home as if she's still there. And still talks to her. Like still talks to her. Still visits her, still makes sure she doesn't turn up the radiators on him. So sweet, but sad. It is. It's so sweet. It's, I mean, it's cute, but it is, it's so sad. And it also, it's just a glimpse, I think, into why he is the way that he is. And I I agree. And I think there's other stuff that you can tell slowly mold him to yeah. become more and more distrustful and bitter as time goes on. So we will get into that. I thought his driving around the parking lot was particularly funny when, before he was racing the Mercedes driver, he talked about how his wife would always go, I think, to just any available spot, but he would drive around the parking lot until one opened up to be closer to the entryway and I can't stand it when people do that oh I know oh I know I like goodness gracious if you can walk 
walk. Right. You're fine. You don't need to drive around for 30 minutes to find a parking spot. Just park and go into the store like a yes. normal person. I feel like I've turned even more so into that person that will park like further away because I have a car seat that I have to get my child in and out of, which requires my door to be like all the way open, or at least that's how I feel most comfortable because I mean, this kid's getting big. Like I have to like lift him out of the car. And so I just park like, clear at the end so I can swing my door open and no one's going to be there to make sure I don't ding their car. So, and not that I would purposely, obviously, but you know, accidents happen. Things <laughs> happen. I also am just very picky. I just like an easy parking space. Oh yeah. Okay. Like I just don't want to be stressed out by having to park in a spot that's hard to get into. And even if it's closer, I don't want that. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I will say like, even if the parking lot's fairly empty, if I'm parked like three cars down, it's because I can open my doors. <laughs> Not because I need to be the closest to the door, but that's to each their own for parking. Yeah. If you will have 30 minutes to waste driving around, by all means, Go waste, waste your time. <laughs> uh, chapter five is simply titled A Man Called Ove. No one could understand what Ove's wife saw in him, but to Ove, he kind of self-defines as a man of black and white, and she was all of his color. And I'm like, this is like the way that he talks about his wife, the, the way that he talks to his wife, it's just like he clearly just loved her so, 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 so deeply. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And especially like, Again, we see this exterior, more hardened man, and you could tell that his wife was always trying to bring him out of his shell or just like make him smile, make him laugh, you know, do bring bring the color back into his life. Or balance him. Yes, yes. Give him a different perspective. For sure. And she clearly, I, she just sounds like a very lovely woman. So I'm glad that he obviously adored her so, so, so very much. He uh, reflects that he wasn't really anyone of note growing up. So even though we have this brief moment of about his wife, he, we kind of get into some of his past. Um, he was, quote, never in the heart of things, but never really on the outside. Um, it goes on to say, like, he wasn't the best student, but he wasn't the worst. He um, wasn't, you know, super poor, but also not super rich. Like he was just like a balanced kid. He was just there. He was just someone that was always there. Um, he doesn't carry a ton of memories with him because he felt like they weren't always important, which I thought was kind of interesting. Like you don't want to, you know, remember a, a, like fun times that you've had, but he's just like, no, I just, just keep the important stuff in there. <laughs> um, Ove just knew as a, a student and a kid that he just really, really liked numbers. He liked that things had a clear outcome and clear direction. Um, so he found that math was definitely his strongest suit because there's either right or wrong. Doesn't necessarily matter how you get to the answer, but it's either going to be one thing or another. Um, he does also remember liking his mom's singing while he was doing his homework, uh, his math homework specifically, outside of their his childhood home window. Um, and he also remembers that his father would work on the railroad. 
His mother died when Ove was about eight years old. And after that time, his father got really quiet, but they kind of found their own thing, the two of them, by working on uh, the railroad together from time to time and then talking about engines. His dad loved, loved, loved engines, specifically um, automobiles. That was his his thing. Um, his father taught him everything there was to know about engines, whether that's putting them together, taking them apart, fixing things, tinkering, whatever the case may be. Um, so much so that the director of the railway knew this about Ove's father and once asked his dad if he could fix a Saab 92 for him. His dad went through, you know, this whole diagnostic of, well, this is what I would need to do, blah, blah, blah. And the director of the railway said, well, the car is yours. You know, take it, fix it up, do what you want to do with it. It's yours. I have no use for it anymore, which I think must have gotten his dad pretty excited because right away, like that was the thing he and Ove did together. They just tinkered on the car all the time in their free time, which is awesome. They also, as I mentioned, worked on the railway together when Ove was done with school um, and he would come just work, you know, a little bit in the late afternoon with his dad until it was time, quitting time, I'm assuming, to go home for dinner. And Ove liked everyone that he and his father worked with, except for one particular person named Tom. Tom, as it turns out, is just like super dishonest, mean. He's really just not a great guy. And Ove's dad once had to step in when Tom tried to steal a wallet that Ove had found on an empty rail car. Ove proved himself to be an, a really honest kid. I mean, he's only eight, nine years old, and he knows that it's the right thing to do by turning in the wallet. But he confides in his dad that he had really thought about keeping it. Um, but he also knew that his dad was the type of man that would have turned it in regardless. So if he had found out that maybe Ove had kept it or something like that, his dad would have rightfully turned it in. Ove decided that day that he wanted to be a man, quote, as little unlike his father as possible, which I think is just so nice. Like he looks at his dad as a man of principles. He's a good person. He follows the rules. He knows right from wrong. So why would you want to stray from that? Ove's father passes away when Ove is 16 after a rail car accident. Um, and shortly after Ove leaves school to work for the railway full time as his father had done. Five years later, he sees her for the first time and quote, life was never the same again, end quote. She was color, all the color she, he had. So brief glimpse kind of into maybe how they met for the first time. <laughs> we do, and we kind of get this similar glimpse like multiple times, but just yeah. in, in, I don't, how do I want to say it? It's the same glimpse multiple times, almost the exact same way, but just slightly different each time. Yes. So yes. either way, it's so sweet. I love the way that he describes that. And again, we're getting more information about him as a character and why the way, why he is the way that he is. And also knowing now like it's, wife has passed away he's also lost both of his parents in a relatively short span of time and mm -hmm. also as a child yeah and all of that that he's already gone through is it's just so sad 
I think it's also like, I mean, obviously the whole situation is sad, but I do think that it really sucks that he and his dad had also kind of just found themselves, like found what their relationship looked like without their mom. And it was so short lived because of the railway accident that his dad had, you know, like had, had his dad maybe still been around, they could have fixed tons of automobiles together, or, you know, they could have done all of these different things and just continued to build on their relationship. But unfortunately that time was cut short. It was cut short, but I will say I was glad that it was at least a positive experience when it was first mentioned that his mom died. I maybe this says about the other books that I typically read, but I feel like a lot of stories tend to go a different path where one parent dies and then all of a sudden the other parent is neglecting Mm -hmm. or, or worse. And so I was worried initially that it was going to go down an even worse path. Mm -hmm. And so I love to see that it was kind of this positive time in his life. He had this amazing role model, someone that was honorable, that he looked up to. I really like that aspect of it, even though it was still cut too short. Yeah. I mean, especially thinking back on, I mean, we just finished up the Nightingale. I mean, that's a father who lost his wife that literally gave up his daughters. Like he didn't want to be a father to them anymore. And so that's, I think that's such a good point that yes, he, I think Ove's dad retreated into himself a little bit more, but he never stopped being his father. Right. Not at all. Okay. Chapter six. We got a little deep. We'll probably still keep getting deeper, but maybe we'll lighten up. I don't know. (laughs) Chapter six, a man called Ove and a bicycle that should have been left where bicycles are left. (laughs) Never mind. We're not, we're not going to get lighter because my first sentence is, Ove wants to die. <laughs> so, let me take that back. On that note. <laughs> On a sadder note, Ove wants to die. Um, I'll be honest, these these particular chapters remind me a lot of the Midnight Library in a I sense, too. So it's I just think that's an interesting little tidbit. Okay. He almost wishes that he would have done it straight after her funeral. But he had his job, and so he went to work because, or quote, because that's how one handles things, end quote. So again, Ove is a very ritualistic man of principle, and uh, he, while he's very sad his wife died, he's not going to just abandon his job. He's going to go back to work. And it's, I think it's even said, like, his wife passed away on a Friday, buried on a Saturday. He went back to work on Monday. Like, it's just... Things have to go on. <laughs> I do not understand. I mean, I would. I don't understand how that could even be someone's thought process. I don't like hold it against him by any means. Right. But I mean, I will even say if, because I don't like to talk about when, but even if Kai passes away, like count me out. I'm right. out for the foreseeable future just do not expect anything from me yeah and so open and I are very different like yes I yes I will say I do feel like I understand a little I'm not saying that this would be me because I'm with you like if I'm gonna be grieving it's gonna be for probably years <laughs> like I'm gonna be off the surface of the planet for a while but I do think that there are people who cope better 
by carrying on, like, because in a way, if they keep their mind busy enough, then it kind of distracts maybe from the pain of the grief. And so, I mean, knowing clearly how much he loved his wife in so few words already, we know how much he loved his wife, that maybe this is just how he was able to handle it by just, I just got to keep moving forward. Yeah. Needs the routine, needs it to sort of stay the same. I mean, honestly, not that he seems like this would be what he would, what would happen to him, but almost maybe he needs it that he doesn't break down. Yeah. Just the normalcy of that routine. I'm, I'm sure that it is. I mean, and I'm wondering if that's why I'm speculating a bit, but like knowing that he's been let go of his job now that he's had way more time to think, maybe that's what's brought him back to this conclusion of like, I've got nothing going on. I don't want to be here anymore. (laughs) And so it's an interesting thought. Um, Ove already has everything ready to go for his death. I mean, of course, this man is a planner, so he is going to put it all together. Um, He's already picked out a plot next to his wife's in the uh, graveyard. I think it's described as a churchyard. I'm saying graveyard because I'm a spooky American. (laughs) He's already written a note with instructions for um, the lawyer that he's contacted, the deed to his home, and most importantly, the service history of his sob, (laughs) which I just love. Ove is sitting in his sob with the garage door open and sees his obese neighbor walk by. And he has a few... Thoughts in particular about this person, the state of being, previous conversations he and his wife have had about like, hey, you need to be nice. Like you can't just you can't just hate on people because of their weight because his wife really liked him. And also, I think, sympathized with the fact that this obese neighbor who we know is named Jimmy um, had lost his mom. And so we think maybe maybe in a way we are connecting the dots that like food was his coping of grief. I don't know. But Anyway, he has these thoughts, and then he sees a bicycle is resting in front of the shed that is clearly labeled, or let me give you the quote, quote, right under the sign clearly explaining that cycles should not be left in this precise spot. So again, Ove, stickler for rules. If there is a sign, you damn well better follow it. He moves the bike to the shed where it should be, But shortly after doing that, a teenager confronts him about it, saying that he wanted to fix it up for his girlfriend. Ove simply explains to the teenager that she can get her bike from the shed and walks away. Um, But behind his back, the teenager's like, you're a crumpy old bastard. And then there's another friend that's there that's like, shh, don't say that stuff. (laughs) I just thought that was funny. And Ove just like doesn't care. He's like, you can call me whatever you want. I'm going to walk home. The bike belongs in the shed. (laughs) He doesn't take any of it personally. No, he doesn't. Because I think, and I'm very curious how people function like that, because I would take it very personally, but Ove just like, go on, go off. I don't care. Say what you got to say about me, but a bike belongs in a shed, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a sign. Read yeah, the sign. there is a sign. I mean, whatever. We learn a little bit about the layout in the homes of the area. Um, So, for example, like who his neighbors are. Obviously, we know that the lanky one and the pregnant woman have moved next door. We know that um, the obese 
neighbor Jimmy and um, is also, I think, either their immediate neighbor or a couple houses down. And then even further down, but neighbors to Jimmy are Rune. I'm calling him Rune. And Anita, his wife. And we learned that Ove's wife, Sonia, and Anita had been fast friends at one point. Um, Ove has also said some choice things about Rune and Anita, um, specifically due to a fallout over the uh, Residents Association, because Rune took over as the chairman after Ove was voted out. And so now they no longer speak. <laughs> Ove walks back to his home only to see another neighbor that he calls Blonde Weed with a tiny dog called Mutt. Again, these are not their real names. These are Ove's names for them. Throwing rocks at the cat. Ove shares some choice words with Blonde Weed to the effect of, if you keep throwing the rocks on my property, I'm going to throw you onto your property. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes off and grabs his drill bits from the shed. (laughs) The cat seems to try to make nice with Ove for... um, Uh, for stopping that woman from throwing rocks at him and the dog from barking at him. But Ove just kind of shoes the cat away and then decides, quote, now he's going to die. So just, again, like these weird little events all happen. (laughs) And we get these glimpses. (laughs) Kind of a lot of these chapters to start with, uh, start with a thought and then go in a different direction, but then end on that thought that we started with. So Like the last chapter was started with talking about how his wife was the color to his black and white. And then we go down this different path of his background and end on she's my color or she was his color. And then this one starts too with he He wanted to die and then (laughs) all this background. And then we like forget about that. Forget about this really bold statement about him wanting to die. Here's some background. Time to die. Yeah. So it's a lot of the chapters are structured a little bit like that, where it's that the one thought that you just circle back to each time at the end of the chapter. Yes. See, and that almost makes me feel like he has like OCD, but then also like ADHD. <laughs> like you can't keep up with everything going on, but then you come back to it eventually. <laughs> and don't throw rocks at animals. Like if there's one thing, I will hunt you down. You throw rocks at any animal. I maybe should have put a trigger warning about that animal, animal violence, because it, I don't think they ever hit the cat, but the fact that he was even thrown at the cat, not okay, people. Not okay. Not okay. And I would love to see Ove throw her onto her body. Yeah. Trying to hurt the cat. Yes. And I love that, again, Ove is like, hey, I'm not being nice to you, cat, so don't thank me. But also, woman, don't throw rocks at this animal. <laughs> like, I don't want the cat around, but I don't want someone being mean to it either. <laughs> nope. Nope, nope, nope. All right, we are on to chapter seven, titled, A Man Called Ove Drills a Hole for a Hook. Again, these chapter titles are very accurate because they tell you exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> A As precise as Ove is in his life, he is equally precise in planning his death. He covers his floors with plastic as to not ruin them when, not because of 
his body, but because of when realtors come in to then sell his property after he's died, he doesn't want them scuffing up the floors. <laughs> so kind of him to think ahead like that. Yes, exactly. He's a planner. He's a planner. Um, he sets his stool in the middle of the floor so that he can place his hook in the middle of the ceiling, which he has measured twice to ensure that it is 100% centered. He's the old measure twice, cut once kind of guy. As he begins to drill the hook into the ceiling, the doorbell rings once, he ignores it, twice he ignores it, third time he's finally like, God damn it, can't a man just drill a hole in the ceiling a piece, but he finally goes to answer it. Once he does, the lanky one and the pregnant woman are at his door with cookies. They wanted to introduce themselves to him, stating that their names are, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this one, Parv Parvena, Parvana, okay. Parvana, and Patrick. So, yay, Patrick, easy name. Woohoo, go Patrick. <laughs> yes. Patrick and, and Anita, those are good ones. <laughs> yes, yes. Jimmy, Tom, all... All easy ones. Yeah, Rune Rune is maybe, because I could feel it, I could see it being like Rooney, which I did know a Rooney from Norway, I'm pretty sure he was from, but he, I think, spelt it I-E. Don't get me wrong, like, I love the names, I just feel bad about how badly I butcher them. Oh, yeah, 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 don't, don't, I mean, and you know what's crazy is, like, even if I say a name probably correctly, I still feel like it's wrong. Yeah, same. Yeah. Like, it, maybe his name isn't Patrick. Maybe it's a Patrick. Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But whatever. His name is Patrick in this book. Um, they are quick to pick up on the fact that Ove's living room is covered in plastic, like the serial killer Dexter. And they're kind of like, oh, what are you doing there, buddy? This is kind of murdery, don't you think? Um, Ove is kind of like, oh, let me just get back to what I was doing and tries to close the door on them. But they actually came over to not only introduce themselves, but see if they could borrow a few things from Ove, specifically an Allen wrench, which Patrick, I think, calls an Eileen wrench. And they go off about how stupid he is for calling him that. And I love these brief moments, too. And this is one of them where... Ove and how are we saying it? Uh, Pervana. Pervana. Okay. Pervana. Pervana. Um, I, they have these quick moments where they both agree that her husband is stupid. Yes. And I should have mentioned that did happen during the trailer backup scene right. too. Um, yeah. So they both have these. And I, what I also like is that Ove is almost like taken aback. Like, oh. We're, we're on the same page here, lady. I like this. I like the fact that we both quick think someone notes. else is stupid. <laughs> right. These quick mental notes where he's like, I like her, but not enough. Right. Like right. Yes. I like her, but not enough to like want to get to know her at right. all. <laughs> um, so they're arguing about what this wrench is called, whatever. And Ove is just like, Ugh, I'll just go get the stuff, whatever. So next thing you know, Rune's wife, Anita, has also approached them, seeing that they're all kind of gathered at Ove's front door, and asks Ove if he could perhaps look at their radiators. 
Um, Rune has been really, really sick with Alzheimer's and is now wheelchair bound. So he's unfortunately unable to do a lot of things around the house that he probably used to do. Rune's wife, because uh, I think O gives some like offhanded, like, well, can't, can't he just figure it out himself, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Anita's like, actually, no, he's super sick. Um, things aren't looking great right now. And then Rune's wife fills in Parvana and Patrick on the spat between Rune and Ove about the Residents Association. Um, and she starts to take it too far and mention Ove's wife, Sonia. Um, once Patrick notices specifically, like, uh, it looks like maybe like tire marks or something on their floor. So again, they're all gathered in, in Ove's doorway looking in and Anita just mentioned something about Sonia and Ove at that moment, like reacts in a fury and tells Anita to quote, shut up, like all caps, exclamation mark, stop talking um, and slams the door in their face. Like he's like conversation over, we're done. We're not talking about my wife. He then stands in his home for a while waiting for his heart to stop pounding so hard before finally finishing uh, the drilling session he had started uh, for the hook and once and for all getting it into the ceiling. He then goes into the living room, ties a noose, kicks the stool, and waits for the fall. So that was chapter seven. Abrupt ending. <laughs> Pretty abrupt, yeah, yeah. Pretty harsh, I would say. Sorry for that uh, semi-graphic description there, but that's just what happens when you try to hang yourself with a hook, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, um, I was I was a little bit caught off guard too because your your description of it, your summar your summarization of it, is exactly how the chapter actually plays out too. In that it just all happens very quickly, and all of a sudden the chapter ends, and you're like. Well, like what? He wait. He just died. I'm sorry, someone what? just asked for his ladder. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, 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 and it, I was in my head. I kept thinking, "There's no way. There's no way." And I mean, but I, do we have another ghost story on our hands? Right. What did that happen? <laughs> Is this Layla all over again? <laughs> Is this what happens? Is he the man that showed up to talk to Leeds? <laughs> Probably. I think it's actually called. Leeds gets haunted by Ove. <laughs> uh, okay, chapter eight. So I've also noticed something, and maybe I'm reading into it too much. I would love to hear your thoughts, but I did notice that the chapters turn from a man called Ove to a man who was Ove, and that indicator to me was like, oh my god, he died. Like, this was who he was. He's not being called that anymore, but the novel continues and you're kind of like, wait, 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 what? So I didn't know if you had also caught that as well. I caught that because I also thought that it meant something, but then I, I thought that that's where it was switching to. And I did, I, I go, oh my gosh, he really did die or is going to die. But then there's more chapters that we, we're going to cover where it flipped back to Amand called Ove. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, because I saw the same thing and was trying to read into it and figure out what that meant. Yeah, I'll be curious how it plays out during the next two parts of our mm -hmm. podcast as well, because 
I'm wondering if, like, to me, I'm almost like, okay, at first maybe he died. But then I'm like, well, maybe he was called Ove and now he's, like, reborn in a way. Like, now he's not Ove anymore. I don't know. I Maybe I'm just reading into it too much, too. But I, I think there's something there. I just don't know yes. what it is. Yes. Agreed. Okay. Chapter 8. A man who was Ove and a pair of his father's old footprints. Sonia, Ove's wife, believed in destiny, and we learn this of Ove's past. He leaves school after filling in for the rest of his dad's shift over two weeks, and um, basically the director was like, hey, you did such a great job working on the railway, like I want to hire you on full time. And Ove agrees. He was okay in school. Um, he only really loved the math part, but he just didn't think the other stuff was necessarily worth staying in school for. So he was fine not graduating. And I think he ultimately leaves school at the age of 16. Ove was just like his father in many ways. And many of the men on the railway took a liking to him pretty quickly, except for that old geezer Tom. Asshole shows up again. Tom has now been promoted to a foreman on a job where o, with Ove, and once again, we find Tom stealing. But this time, he tries to put the blame on Ove um, by essentially recruiting two witnesses to be like, oh, no, we saw Ove do it. It totally was him, um, even though it was really just Ove and Tom working on that particular rail car, rail car at the time. So there were no witnesses to what happened. Um, but Ove is a guy of principle and he learned from his dad that you don't tattletale on other people. So when he's asked if, if Tom was the one stealing, Ove was just like, I'm not going to tell his tale, but I can tell you that I did not do it. Um, but unfortunately, having the witnesses, the director is like, hey, I'm sorry, but like, I've got to let you go. We can't tolerate that. Whatever. So Ove is removed from that particular job. But the director knows that Ove is a good kid. And I think to the effect says, I knew you didn't steal that wallet back when you were nine coming in with your dad. And I know that you didn't steal the money now. Um, so he's actually repositioned Ove, still working for the railway, but in a night position so that he does not have to run into Tom. And I think probably to make sure the other men don't necessarily see him too, thinking that they like kept a potential vandal thief on the job, if you will. Um, but had all of this not happened to Ove, had he, this whole stealing thing um, the whole Tom situation not happened, he would have never been at the director's office that morning and therefore would never have seen Sonia that morning as he was leaving. So really, Sonia believed that it was all destined to happen. Fate, destiny, something. Something. Chapter nine. Now we're back to a man called Ove bleeds a radiator. It's perceived that Ove is dying. And so, allegedly, when you're dying, you have more time to think, or at least your brain is working faster, as the book says. So he's 
been mainly thinking about radiators. Because <laughs> when you're dying, that's what you think about. First thought, okay. Yes. Ove reflects on his past friendship and then becoming enemies with Rune. So really, I think it's more than the radiators. I think it's his, maybe how he lived his life previously. I don't know. They had known each other for roughly 40 years and had originally moved into the row homes around the same time. Rune and Ove had similar principles. And in my words, I'm saying they fought the same fight. They both, you know, they both had their very particular ways of doing things, of seeing the world. And so they teamed up together once or twice to really give the the people a little what for <laughs> and similar quiet personalities yes yes and i think it's another reason why sonia and anita became so close is because they were both kind of that balance so rune right. and Ove, quiet very maybe black and white men and both of these women really brought all of the color and life to the party rune was on Ove's good side for a while um, until he bought a BMW <laughs> instead of keeping his Volvo. Dang it, Rune. Dang it. Yep. If only he had realized what a car man Ove was. Ove realizes that he didn't truly realize what had caused Rune and him to drift apart other than the circumstances around the whole chairman thing. But he does realize that though they had been reduced to basically grunting over their back fences at each other whenever they were both outside, um, quote, there was a part of Ove that missed that bloody old sod. Ove realizes that he is, in fact, not dying. Uh, the rope broke and he ended up laying flat on his back on the living room floor instead of being hung as he had hoped. Um, he, again, just kind of picks up and carry on, carries on with his life. He folds up the plastic, packs up the drill and the drill bits, and puts everything back where it should be, and then heads over to Rune and Anita's house to bleed the radiators, which is what Anita had asked him to do in the previous chapter. Which I have absolutely no idea what that means. I don't, I don't know that I've lived anywhere with radiators that I would know what that means either. <laughs> I have no idea, but Ove seems to think that that is one of those things that everyone should know how to do. Yes. And perhaps in a quaint little row home in Sweden, everyone does know how to do Maybe that. You but should know how to, but not us. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> We've got what's called an HVAC system. <laughs> Alrighty, chapter 10. A man who was Ove and the house that Ove built. So again, flip-flopping with these things. I don't know. Ove's childhood home is on the border of two municipals who are fighting to get claim of his property. Ove has been ignoring all of their letters that the rezoning is going to happen and basically they need to seize his house. Um, but he does realize that things around him in his neighborhood are classing up, if you will. I mean, people are suits and ties. They're not just the working class. And um, homes are being developed that are nicer and newer. And so 
with working nights now as uh, part of the night cleaning staff on the railway, Ove has the daytime freedom to pick up another job. And he chooses to do so at a construction site where he can not only learn the job, but pick up on other tips and learn how to rebuild his home. Uh, just like at the railway, the men on the job take a liking to Ove, despite his quiet and odd ways at times. They go out of their way to help him figure things out, not before kind of giving him a little bit of joshing, calling him an idiot, whatever. But then they do genuinely help him and make sure that he knows what he's doing. Um, their foreman even, you know, lets Ove take some lumber that was supposed to be burnt and says to the effect like, hey, if I happen to turn my back, I'll just assume that it was burnt. And really, he was just letting Ove take some of those pieces. Um, and uh, they also, the the men that he worked with on the site band together um, to collect used tools um, and put them together in a toolbox for Ove with a note that says, quote, to the puppy. So he's just kind of this little little puppy learning everything on the job, and they like it. I mean, I really respect the, the, his drive to want to learn and to figure those things out for himself. Um, I think that that applies to a lot of different fields, for lack of a better term, whereas he's he thinks that like maybe only applies to the labor intensive work like that. But I right. think that that's a quality that just a lot of people don't have in general, not just when it comes to building a house, because I don't think everyone needs to go out and like learn how to build their house, but just that characteristic of, oh, I can figure it out. I'll learn this, having that mentality of just doing it and learning it. That does seem to be a bit lost, I will say. I totally agree. And I do think that that's probably, again, that quality that maybe whether people realize it or not does draw them to Ove. Like he's not just some kid that's going to, you know, just show up for his nine to five. Like, he, like you said, he does genuinely want to learn the trade and is going out of his way to ask the right people, you know, like, oh, if uh, let me talk to the plaster guy about putting plaster up. Let me talk to the flooring guy about how to do my floors and stuff like that. So he's definitely taking it upon himself to not just learn how to do it, but learn how to do it correctly and from the experts on that. Yeah. Uh, as Ove is finishing his home piece by piece, he realizes one day that he forgot to feed the birds, uh, which his father had shown him when he was a kid that they feed the birds every other day. And that's what you do. You just go out every other day and feed the birds. And he went out that day to remedy the fact that he had missed the day before, but he encountered his elderly neighbor who was also out feeding the birds, to which Ove pieced together that he needed to stick to his days. So I think his dad kind of helped instill in him like there's a rhyme and a reason for everything we do. And we only go out these days because the other guy goes out all the other days. <laughs> without that detail. Yes, just... without the detail, it's just, this is what we do. Um, Ove and the elderly neighbor never spoke to each other, but there was kind of this silent agreement between them. Um, for example, when Ove was out painting his fence, he also painted the other side for his neighbor's fence as well. And then in return was... Uh, made a homemade apple pie, which was a, their way of thanking him for that job. As uh, time goes on, a man appears at Ove's fence and invites himself in for water and starts talking about insurance. 
Um, Ove at this time, I think, kind of realizes that he's been not necessarily lonely, but just doesn't really have close friends. And so he's actually found himself like really happy that this man stopped by and just had someone to talk to during his day instead of just constantly working on his house. Um, the man, you know, as I said, is talking insurance and finally kind of talks Ove into a policy by making phone calls, like pulling some strings. Hey, this is what your premium would be. And so Ove pays him for the full year up front. The man then leaves, um, leaves Ove with his card and is like, hey, I would love to get together again sometime. And Ove is like, yeah, that'd be awesome. And he tries to reach out to this man once or twice, but just never hears back from him. Um, in the meantime, burglars have started breaking into a few homes around the neighborhood and his neighbors are starting to suspect that it might be Ove because where else is he getting all this money to buy the materials for the house that he's redoing and all this stuff. But Ove just really tries to keep to himself and not give his neighbors a reason to dislike him for any reason. Um, but they end up throwing a rock through one of his window panes, which Ove immediately replaces. But again, just really tries to keep his, heads, his head down. Um, but that does not stop him from feeling a little bit on edge about things happening in the neighborhood. A few days later, Ove is awoken thinking that the neighbors have set his home on fire because he can smell smoke. Um, and they, he thinks that they're just, again, trying to kick him out the whole, you know, rezoning thing, whatever, trying to blame him for the burglaries. He just thinks that it's his neighbors trying to force him out. Um, but he runs outside specifically, it's noted in his underwear, um, and realizes that it's his elderly neighbor's home that's on fire instead. Um, though the older man and his wife get out quickly, but then the older man runs back inside and everyone's like shouting, like, don't go in there, don't go in there. But the wife is shouting the name of their grandchild who must have been staying the night. Ove basically realizes that he has to sacrifice his home in order to save their grandson and runs into the burning home to get him out, to get him and the elderly man out of the house. The fire department does next to nothing to put the flames out at Ove's home because they're like, well, you're in a different county technically. So like we can't really do anything because you're across lines. So even though we're right here on your street, we can't really do anything for you until we get the okay. Um, so essentially Ove's house burns to the ground. There is nothing left. Uh, that night, he also finds out that the man that he had gotten his insurance policy from was a fraud um, because he's like, oh, no problem. I got homeowner's insurance. Like, I'll make sure that we get this whole thing sorted out. Maybe I can rebuild my home again, whatever. Um, it was fraudulent. They didn't know anybody by that man's name. And so they couldn't help him. And they basically were like, hope you didn't give him any money. Um, but Ove had paid for a year upfront. Um, and from there, Ove's anger is really starting to seep in. I mean, this is where he's like, are you effing kidding me? Like, this is what's happening right now? Not okay. And we end well, that chapter knowing that he's pretty pissed. Well, pretty he's kind pissed. of always been this, well, in this chapter, he's always been this 
kid, young man who sort of minded his own business and tried to take care of things for himself. And then people have either screwed him over or refused to let him just live in his world and Mm -hmm. do what he wants. People keep trying to step in and mess with him or say something to him. It is interesting to see or to think though about how he was this personality that just kept himself, minded his own business, and then was chairman of his residence association, which is right. very involved in other people's businesses. But I do feel like it was because it gave him the opportunity to say whatever the F he wanted about how things should work. And I think we're slowly learning that when he used to be a man that just kept to himself, that clearly wasn't doing him any favors. So why not vocalize everything about everyone around you? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so true. But it is this transition to anger, which really, I think, stems from loneliness. I think that, and, and I think to your point too, like just slowly people have been screwing him over, like just either not letting him be or trying to find a way to like prove that he's wrong somehow or that he's the one that screwed up and that's never been the case like he just wants to live his freaking life or just not letting him be I mean his neighbors thinking well where did he get the money to right well how about this it's none it's none of your business right who cares we know yeah we know that Ove is not the type to steal from you so why don't you just leave him alone but it's interesting because it's going back to my old life, um, the whole people pointing to someone in the neighborhood as burglars. So that's actually very often the case, but people don't typically like to believe that. And so it, especially being in Florida and a lot of people live in gated communities, they get really frustrated because they think, well, I live in a gated community. So how are these people getting in? It must be an issue with people getting in. And then there are specific cases where it was never a matter of someone getting in it was a matter of someone down the street that was later caught oh my gosh well that's that is frustrating wow so it turns out it was the neighbor but in this case it wasn't the neighbor (laughs) I'm not not saying I'm still saying like mind your own business if someone's able to build that you know don't go pointing fingers like there's evidence when it is someone else doing it not just point fingers for the sake of pointing fingers right for sure for sure chapter 11 a man called ove and a lanky one who can't open a window without falling off a ladder direct direct yes if this doesn't tell you everything i don't know what will um the first (laughs) the first snow has officially fallen and Ove seeks out his trusted snow shovel from his shed. Of course, he has some negative interactions with people driving where they should not, um, but he finds himself extremely worked up about it again, like the heart pounding, the like seemingly uncontrollable rage that he's experienced. This is now the second time that we've heard about it. Um, so he's like trying to calm himself down, just gripping his snow shovel, Uh, When Anita approaches Ove as he is trying to regain composure of himself and explains that they were men trying to take Rune away from her home. Ove 
doesn't necessarily know how to respond to that. So he just kind of like nods and walks away. Blonde weed is standing around and giving Ove this creepy grin while he's walking by. And her dog, Mutt, is barking like crazy, but it's noticed that he has, like, a fur-like substance in his mouth. And Ove's just like, this is really weird. I don't feel good about this, but I'm just going to keep walking. Because this lady is just, like, standing there grinning a creepy-ass grin, I guess. (laughs) Pregnant woman and lanky one cheerfully call out to Ove as he's walking back to his home, and he barely exchanges pleasantries with them um, while making his way to his garage. So, excuse me, he's not walking home, he's walking to his garage. Once there, he sets up to uh, try to kill himself again. You know, it's just as good as day as ever to try. So, he um, is going to do it in his garage. I think you can put some pieces together that way. Um, But he is interrupted once again by loud banging on the garage door. The, he finally goes over to answer the door like, oh my gosh, this is like, why can't I just die in peace? (laughs) And the pregnant one is there explaining that, or the pregnant woman is there explaining that the lanky one has fallen off the ladder and she needs to get to the hospital immediately, but she does not have a driver's license, which, oh, like gives her a little bit of what for of like, oh, you're 30 and you don't have your driver's license. And she's just like, listen, I don't, I just need a ride. Please. Can you help us? Um, She's also gotten a nosebleed, assumingly from the exhaust fumes. So while she's standing there talking. Oh, I thought that was him, like, hitting Opening her. the door. I thought it was from oh. the fumes. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I, thought- not. I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, I could be For some reason, I thought he, like, opened it so fast that it, like, smacked her in the face. <laughs> I mean, that could be. I, I interpret it as fumes. Okay. But. I don't know. She's pregnant. She's very sensitive. So she's standing there bleeding out of her face while trying to convince him to give her and her children a ride to the hospital. Um, And she's also growing a little bit more suspicious about what she realizes he was attempting to do. Like she sees that his car was running. She sees that there is a pipe leading from the uh, muffler. I don't know. What's that back part called? Whatever. Wherever the exhaust comes out of. I don't know, cars. (laughs) And um, so I think she's starting to piece together like, hey, are you, are things okay in here? And he is just like, well, let's just move on with it. Fine, I'll give you a ride. Because he finally decides that um, he can't just like leave her. And uh, and then he goes off about like, you can't trust the city bus and all this stuff. So like, he's very reluctant to give her a ride, but finally gives in. Um, to which she'll re- responds that she has to go grab her children in order to come with her. And Ove then decides that maybe if he just does her this favor, she will leave him in peace. Quote, but of course she doesn't, end quote. I particularly love the narration where it talks about the chin because she's just got, has her head back and holding her nose. Like, and, <laughs> and the narration's like, and then the chin said. <laughs> yes, yes. Because she's just bleeding out of her um, face. Poor lady. <laughs> yeah, poor thing. Oh, it's just like my husband's in the hospital. I just have to get there. Come I on, know. dude. Well, and I love that she was like, he was like, well, why didn't she just go in the ambulance? And she's like, I tried. Don't you think I like tried that? And they told me I couldn't. <laughs> Not stupid. 
And of course, like she's not going to drive without a license. Why put yourself in jeopardy? And it had just snowed. So come on. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 12. A man who was Ove and one day he had enough. So now we're jumping back a little bit. Ove slept in his car the night after his home was burnt down. And the next morning is greeted by men who had been trying to get his property. Um, they're the ones who've been sending him these letters of like, yo, we're rezoning. You need to report to us, respond to us, whatever. They essentially tell him at this point that he doesn't have much choice. I mean, there's not even a home on the property anymore and that he needs to sign their documents, turning over the property for what little value it's worth. Um, and they're just going to buy him out pretty much. And I don't think that it was bought out. They, it never specified a sum, but they were basically like, well, we'll have to give you face value because now there's not a home here anymore to like make it more valuable. So whatever. Um, Ove meets Tom later that day. He's going into work because of course Ove just carries on when shit hits the fan. You just keep going to work. And he meets Tom while going in to gather new work clothes for their job. And immediately Tom is calling him a thief. He's got his two little cronies next to him. Like, eh, look, at it's the thief, guys. Oh, watch out. It's the thief. And Ove is just like, let me just leave me alone. Let me go. Ove doesn't even say anything. He just keeps walking. He gets into the shower with his new clothes. You know, he's getting ready for his work day. When Tom snatches Ove's father's wristwatch. So this is one of the very few things that his dad has left for him. And now is one of the very few items that he has possession of now that his family home is burned down. So Ove gets out of the shower, marches over to where Tom is completely naked, like doesn't give a shit. They're like in the locker room or something, marches over to where Tom is. And in front of all of his coworkers demands his watch back. And Tom, of course, is like, I don't have it. I don't have your watch. Whatever. Deny, deny, deny. Ove rips his coat out of his hands, grabs his watch from his dad's pocket, and then punches Tom right in the face. <laughs> and Tom goes down. Like, he ends up having to go to the hospital <laughs> because he's I, out. I want to say he was at one point described as a bigger guy, too, that you don't really mess with. But Ove just builds a whole house. Dude's got yeah. muscles and took him, took him right out. Yeah. And then, so then Tom's in the hospital and I think someone from the railway had come to the hospital and was like, who did this? What happened? And Tom never brought up Ove's name. So I think what's kind of crazy is that it's almost like a subtle nod to the fact that like Ove never and Ove's dad never directly called Tom out for anything. And so the least he could do was not throw Ove's name out there. Um, so again, Tom's down, whatever. He, Ove has now uh, decided that he is not going to let anyone fool him or make a fool of him again. Like it's at this point that he's like, I have been screwed out of, my land out of an insurance claim out of the job that I liked because of Tom. I'm not going to let anyone make me feel stupid again. And um, he ends up leaving his job at his construction site and because um, he doesn't have a home to build anymore. 
And before leaving, his peers uh, had bought him a brand new set of tools with the same note stating to the puppy. Um, and they're all kind of wishing him well. And Ove, not really knowing what to do with himself at this time, decides that he would enlist in the military. It seems like a noble thing to do. It's what a man with principles would do. And, and he's young, he's, you know, scrappy, he's got a lot of muscle built up from working so hard. Um, but as much as he's passing all of his physical tests, he goes to the medical, the physician that they have, and it's found out that he actually has a congenital heart condition, and he is not allowed to serve. So just another thing that he feels he is getting screwed out of in his life. And really doesn't have any direction at this point. Ove is now renting a room from a woman in town at the time. And she's just kind of like, hey, you're a huge downer. I don't really want you <laughs> in my house anymore. Like, it's just bringing me down. I can tell you're upset. I'm sorry all of these things have happened to you. But, like, you need to find somewhere else to live. And... She suggests that he go um, rent a room over a garage so that he can tinker with his car and do the things that make him happy. Ove agrees and decides to take apart and rebuild his dad's car, the Saab uh, 92. He then has basically like completely refurbished it, like took it apart, cleaned it, put it all together, made it beautiful then trades it in for an another Saab, a Saab 93, which he immediately takes apart and rebuilds. Ove's days pass slowly for him during this time, but then he sees her and, quote, there was no more peace and quiet for Ove. Just color. Just color. Just happiness. Sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> Unicorns and... Yes. Okay, we are at chapter 13. So um, I didn't short us right. We read through chapter 13, right? Yes. Okay, good. Because I'm like second guessing it now. Okay, so this is our <laughs> last, our last chapter of the first part, chapter 13, a man called Ove and a clown called Beppo. Beppo the clown. Beppo the clown. Must be a Swedish thing. <laughs> Ove and his passengers, the pregnant one and the two daughters, have arrived at the hospital. But in classic Ove form, he has to argue about paying the, uh, I, I don't know, the toll or whatever at the hospital so that you can park there. The pregnant one is trying to coordinate how to go see her husband, but the girls are going to have to stay put with Ove in the waiting area until she returns with like an all clear, like, hey, I don't want to see, I don't want you to see your dad at his worst, okay? I'm trusting of him for not knowing him well. Yeah, and I, I just feel like there's something in her that's drawn to him. Because she does make it a point to, like, I'm going to talk to you. I want – and, like, even with the whole Anita thing and the radiators, she kept telling him, almost like it, he was her dad, like, don't be so rude. You can fix it. Come on. Like, almost encouraging him to come out of his shell or just do the nice things for people that mm -hmm. he should do. 
So, yes, she's very trusting, even to the point that she calls him Uncle Ove. Like, girls, stay with Uncle Ove, (laughs) which I thought was cute. Um, And I'm starting to put together that I don't think Ove had children of his own. So he's kind of like, what do I do here? (laughs) I was surprised he didn't make a comment about the uncle thing. Yeah, he didn't have anything to say about that. And frankly, you know, he doesn't really fight too hard about having to watch them. No. He's more just like, what do I do? And then he's like, okay, fine, whatever. So while they're waiting in the waiting area, the three-year-old bounds off to go get a book for Ove to read to her. And I love that it's described as like, he's reading it as if it were a tax statement, like just (laughs) very bland. And of course the three-year-old's like, no, you need to have voices and characters. And she's like trying to snuggle up to him and read the book under his arm and just get close to him. Um, and the seven-year-old girl has much to say, because I think at first I was like, does anyone have to go to the bathroom? And she's like, I'm seven. I can go to the bathroom by myself. And just makes it a point of telling Ove, like, I'm not a baby. I don't need your help, blah, blah, blah. But not like in a rude way necessarily, but just like, I don't know. You don't need to change my diaper kind of thing. She's a little sassy to me, the seven-year-old she She's does. a little bit sassy, definitely. Um, both girls tease Ove that he keeps swearing when he's talking to him because he says things like bloody and blah, 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 whatever the swearing is in the UK or whatever language this was intended from, (laughs) Swedish. And, um, he tries to clean up his language a bit before they are approached by a clown who asks for a five kroner piece to do a magic trick. And of course, Ove is like, I'm not going to give you money to do magic. And he's like, no, 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 I'll give it back. It's just like part of the trick. And so we kind of leave off there. The pregnant one, Pravana, returns to the waiting area looking for the girls, kind of like, oh my gosh, they're not where I left them. What happened? And she finds her girls and Ove are sitting back with security. (laughs) Immediately, she's like, what did the girls do? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. And they're like, oh, no, ma'am, it's not them. It's him. (laughs) So (laughs) so we find out that Ove is the one in trouble because he hit the clown. (laughs) So I'm sure it was over money or whatever the case may be. But uh, in his defense, the girls do back him up and say that he wasn't very good at magic anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The girls are then allowed to go up and see their dad with their mom. The Ove has to stay with the security guards, um, which he quickly and loudly reminds them that they are just fake cops. (laughs) Once they have all returned home, the lanky one is in an arm and a leg cast. Um, Pravana asks if she can pay for the hospital parking, but Ove refuses It's just a matter of principle. Even though he hated it, he is just going to let it go. And then she asks if he could come and fix their broken radiator. Ove deliberates over this internally, but finally agrees since his wife would not be pleased with him if he was a child murderer before he was able to join her. Um, Because Pravana makes the comment of, you wouldn't want the girls to freeze. And he's like, well, I guess the children shouldn't suffer because their dad's broken. (laughs) And decides that he will try to die again tomorrow. 
I love the relationship that's building between him and this family. I mean, you see it from the beginning, but I'm, I really like it. I think it's so cute. I think it's cute in this, like, I just feel like they really do see Ove as like this grumpy uncle or like grumpy old grandpa or something. And they want him to be part of their lives. Like they just, again, have that immediate draw to him and are just like, Hey, we're borrowing your stuff. You're taking us to the hospital. I made you cookies. I'm made you rice. They probably haven't even lived there a week. And they're just like, we like you. <laughs> we want to be a good part of you. <laughs> they see that there's more to him. It, it kind of makes me think. So when I used to live in Southwest Florida, I had this elderly neighbor. I mean, she was much older than Ove, and everyone always talked about her that she was just this grumpy old cranky lady. And I mean, Jared and I got to know her and she, she would be so nice to us. Not gonna lie. She'd be really mean to other people, but after she got to know us, she would always be so nice to us. I think she was just lonely. Yeah. I think that is a lot of it. I mean, people didn't always treat her super well. And so she was always inclined to be really defensive from the get go. Mm -hmm. And if you just took a second to be nice to her, that meant a lot to her. It went a long way. Oh, that's sweet. I I can't say I've had the same experience, but we also have neighbors who are in their 70s and they are as sweet as can be. Like we wave at them all the time when they go with their mail or when they're leaving and they grow this beautiful garden and always give us um, fresh vegetables from their garden in the summer. So I can't say I've, I've had a grumpy old neighbor experience, but I surely hope that I don't turn into a grumpy old neighbor. <laughs> she also used to feed the ducks popcorn, which I'm not sure that's encouraged. Hmm. But we let it happen. Yeah. You got to pick and choose your battles. <laughs> yeah, that was not one. <laughs> no. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's... I know it's definitely got some dark stuff in it, but it is satire and there are many moments of levity. Yes. And I feel like my summaries don't do justice. The the just internal back and forward Ove has or just his commentary. Like, I feel like this is one that you really do need to read it in your own voice because I I have literally laughed out loud at some of the stuff that he says because I'm like, this sounds exactly like someone I know or like I can just picture this exact conversation happening. And so, I, I mean, again, I leave out a lot of that dialogue in my summaries, but I do think it's worth the read so far if you really want to get a, a good glimpse into what that sounds like. <laughs> I agree. All right, what's next week? Next week, we are picking up part two, so that will be chapters 14 through 27, and we'll also do our character casting. But not the characters in the film that was already made. Correct, and I did make a note of that. I know that this is a film that came out in, I believe, last year, 2022. Um, It does feature Tom Hanks as Ove. But we will be choosing people that we feel are fitting. Not that we don't love Tom Hanks. Shout out Tom Hanks. You're amazing. But maybe we have different choices. We'll find out. (laughs) Sounds good. 
All right, part two next week. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Music for this podcast was created by Remington Haynes. Join the conversation by emailing us at narrativesandnightcaps at gmail.com or visit our website, narrativesandnightcaps.com. Until next time, we hope you're enjoying a wonderful narrative.